Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. If you haven't been checking out the Inside Scoop, it, it, it has turned out to be a wonderful podcast where me, Neil Crawford, your host, is able to talk to coaches and parents from around the world. We started the Inside Scoop a couple of weeks ago, and I got to tell you that it's turned out better than even I anticipated, okay? Because I've been able to talk to parents and coaches from Manchester, England, from Germany, uh, here in the States, I've talked to coaches, and then I've also been able to offer some good, good tips. Well, today, um, we're going to talk to two parents that live in London, friends of mine, who have a son who is now an adult, he's in his 20s, who sort of went through the uh, grassroots and pre-academy, almost to academy soccer in their town. But before we begin, let's get some, uh, let's, let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, what is the Inside Scoop? Well, the Inside Scoop is a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways in other cities around the world. And the way we do that is we compare the soccer pathways available in the states where I'm at, Cary, North Carolina, to those soccer pathways available in those particular cities. Today, we're gonna jump over to London, England, and the surrounding areas uh, to talk about soccer there. Now, this podcast is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training, in which I am the founder. Anytime Soccer Training is a website that we're launching this summer that will host over 1,000 follow-along training videos to help your child get better. Our mission is to provide world-class training content for your children so that they can reach their full potential in soccer and also to provide actionable information to parents to help them support their child. Why do I say use the word actionable? Because we wanna give you advice that you can do right now, today, that can help your child get better. Now, one more thing before we get, uh, before we get started. This week, I mean, soon, very soon, we're gonna launch Anytime Soccer Training. If you haven't checked out the Facebook group or you haven't um, checked out the website, www.anytime.com, soccer.com. I encourage you to do so because we're going to do a special promotion for the launch that is just going to be amazing. So with that being said, uh, also, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. We're going to produce a lot of great content over the next, uh, next couple of years. So I really want to make sure you get, get every show uh, as soon as they come out. Okay, so with that being said, let's get started with the show. So I have two special guests here, husband and wife, dynamic couple in the UK, Samantha Maxwell and Samuel Maxwell. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. Okay. Hey guys, introduce yourselves and tell us exactly which city you live in and how old your children are now. And I know we're going to talk specifically about 
uh, one of them, but I just, you know, so the listeners get perspective, just introduce yourself and tell us about your family. Hi, I'm Samuel Maxwell. My wife's here. I'm Samantha, and we live in a town called Houghton Regis, which is in Bedfordshire, outside of London. It's how many miles? 30 miles. 30 miles away from London. Okay. And, and tell me the name of the town one more time. It's Houghton Regis, and it's near Dunstable in Bedfordshire. And how, how close is that to Luton? It's about 10 minutes from Luton. Okay, so it's about 10 minutes from Luton, about 30 yeah. miles from, from London. Yeah. Okay, all right. And roughly how many people live in that town? Probably, let's say about 50,000. Okay, all right. So, all right, so the quiz is over. Welcome <laughs> to the Inside Scoop. So now, how, one more, so how old are your, uh, are your children now? They're not even children anymore. No, uh, they're not it, children. No. So our daughter Danielle is twenty-six, and our son AJ is seventeen. Okay, so AJ is seventeen. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna focus and hone in more specifically on AJ's soccer journey, mm -hmm. and the way we're gonna do that is I'm gonna talk about my son, my oldest son's Adam's soccer journey thus far, because he's ten. You guys can sort of tell me how it's the same or how it's different. And then obviously because AJ has gone through the entire system uh, through the UK, you guys can then jump in and also tell us about how he started and, and, um, and, what, and what his experience was, was like when he got into the upper teen age. Okay, so let's get started. So in the States, most people, especially where, where I'm at, start soccer at what we call the recreational level. It doesn't, the kids are really, really young, but it doesn't matter how good they are. At those very early ages, we're talking U5, well, U6, U7, and possibly U8, most of them start at a recreational level. And that is mommy and daddy are the coach, and the, kid is, uh, the kids are just out there to have fun. And if you can imagine, there's always one or two kids that you're looking at like, wow, they're really good. And so you'll probably see big things for them in the, in the future. But even still, it's just kind of for fun. Mm -hmm. So my first earliest, my earliest memories of my son, Adam, playing rec was at the, what, we have an organization here called the YMCA. I don't know if they got YMCA. Yeah, we have that here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we, he, I signed him up for the YMCA where I was the coach. And, you know, we practiced once a week and we had a game on the weekend. And I'm using the word practice very loosely. It was really more about herding cats and just having fun. Mm. Okay. So um, because Adam was really into it, he slowly got better. He played rec for two years. And then I didn't know anything about competitive soccer at the time. But another parent uh, suggested that I sign him up for uh, a local club here. Now, that parent didn't explain to me what exactly that meant. And I actually didn't know exactly what that meant. But I knew that it was going to be more competitive than rec. So I signed him up for a local club here called Triangle United. 
And with Triangle United, you, Adam, received, they had a tryout, but all the kids make it because they're kind of in a pool uh, and they're too young to like turn away. But then they slowly start dividing the kids into different teams based on skill level. And Adam at Triangle United, he went to practicing twice a week with his team and they had a Friday optional practice, which was more like a clinic. And then they played uh, on the weekends and the season was about 10 months. Now, the big difference is recreational, uh, you pay, you know, the equivalent of 60 pounds, maybe, you know, at the most $100, but it's normally around an $80 range. And the season is about 10 weeks. That's recreational. Well, when you start going into travel soccer, you can start paying anywhere from 800 to as much as almost $2,500 for that 10 month program. Yeah, right? Yeah, so like 2,000, you getting into 2,000 pounds before you even hit go, okay? So, so, um, as a matter of fact, Triangle was actually one of the more reasonably priced, and that's why, one of the reasons I chose them because it was a good way to introduce uh, Adam into travel soccer. And it and was what age? What age is this? He was white? Yeah, so he was, um, you, he started tra- quote unquote travel soccer at about seven. Okay, wow. And he was one of the younger ones on his team because his birthday happened to be in February. And so he was still able to compete with the kids a year older because mm. his birthday was so close to, you know, they were, some of the kids were still only going to be a month or two uh, older than him because his birthday mm-hmm. was there. So then in travel soccer, that's where I was not the coach anymore. He had licensed coaches. And then, like I said, they practiced and it was a little bit more competitive. Now he plays for a local, another local club, but it's the same sort of setup. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the story for him is not that long because he's only 10 years old all right so now with you guys let's let me let's let me ask the end of the story first let's start with the end of the story when did aj what was aj doing before he and aj is your son who's 17 now his last structured uh soccer environment youth soccer environment what what level was he playing at then that was in the pre-academy, Luton Town pre-academy. Okay. So he played for Luton Town pre-academy. And, his, and yeah. Luton Town is considered a professional club. Yeah. Do you know what league they play in? Yeah, yeah. What division are they in? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. They're definitely not in the premiership, but, in there, but they're also not non-league. So we'll look that no. up. But they're, they're a professional club, and he was in the pre-academy. Yeah. Now, in the States, when you say pre-academy, when we say pre-academy, we're actually talking about that U7 to U11. By the time, when they get to U12, U13, that's a sort of cutoff point where they either need to be in the quote-unquote academy or, or not. And then they have these other um, – uh, the club offers other pathways, which they call classic, but it's a pretty clear distinction between the academy and those classic teams. Now, 
in the UK, or at least in Luton Town, when they call it pre-academy, what are exactly are they talking about? So the pre-academy goes from under sevens to under 16. Okay. And then um, from that, you go up to the academy, which is also up to under 16. And then the next one is the youth team. Okay, so they have two parallel systems running side by side. Yeah, so you, the, the pre-academy and the academy are both under seven to under 16. Okay, and you are constantly, you're competing to get in from the pre-academy to the academy. To the academy, yeah. And to your knowledge, are there families or kids who are in the pre-academy and actually don't want to be in the academy? Um, <clears throat> no. no, they don't want to be in the academy. Okay, and the only reason I say that, which probably sounds like a weird question to someone in the UK, is because in the States, there's a lot of what I would call to be advanced training opportunities for kids or teams, high-level teams, mm. but the kids in the family, for that matter, don't want to commit they're not on they don't they don't perceive themselves on being in a professional pipeline they just look at this look I want a high level training I want a very competitive um, environment but I know that I'm not trying to become an academy player where I find in the in the Europe no it's kind of like if you're in this environment everybody's focused on one thing doing the best they can for their child to make the first team yeah and the child understands that the parents understand that and the club understands that. Yeah. Where in the States, the motivations for playing competitive soccer, because it's a pay to play system, especially can be a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. And that's a fancy way of saying you could have, you could be at a competitive team in a competitive environment, but some of the kids are still doing baseball. Some of them are still playing high level basketball and they're still trying to figure out which one they're going to commit to as an example. Okay, so we've established that AJ exited Luton Town at the pre-academy level. How old was he, 16 or 15? About 15. Okay, now, when when a child gets to be 15, and, 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 and don't feel compelled to remember everything 100%, because we're just trying to get a good understanding. When they get around 15, so we'll use around a lot of times. When they get around 15, is it a point where the club comes back to them and says, you have, you didn't make it and we're going to cut you or, or how, what yeah. happened? Yeah, 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 that can, that happens at any time. You don't wait, they don't wait until they're 16 and then they, they assess them um, twice a season. So if you're not performing, like at your first assessment, then you will be released. Yeah, he was, he was released, you know. Okay, so first of all, even in the pre-academy, you can be released. And you're saying AJ was released at yeah. one point. Yeah, so yeah. he was released at the the end of the season, I think, where they made, no, he was under 16. So where they were deciding who was now going up to academy. 
That's okay. when he was released. That's when he was released. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna so, end the show. We're gonna end the show under unpacking that more and what that actually looks like, how they communicated to you guys and sort of what was going on through his mind and what you saw, what you heard. We're gonna end with that. So now let's go all the way back to the beginning. And I know you didn't always live, cause I know you personally, you didn't always live in the city that you live in now. Um, so you may need to clarify that when we start going all the way back. But I told you about my earliest memory of signing my son up. I was a coach, it was recreational. What's your earliest memory of signing AJ up for soccer in the UK? Which city were you living in? We were still living here. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was, he was five when we moved here. Okay. So he started football. For his first school. Yeah, when he started school here, basically. So he was probably around five, I think. So he started football around five and... The school what? had a team. Where? The school had a team and, you know, they used to play, like, on the weekends. Okay, so his school actually had a team. Yeah. And uh, I guess it would be equivalent of his, our elementary, his primary school had a team. And how much, did, how often did they practice? And who was the coach? Was it like a PE teacher or a parent? It was parents, two parents. So uh, they practiced in, during school time. Um, no, they didn't. After school. They did after it after school. school. Yeah, like an after school activity. Yeah. Once or twice a week. Yeah, it wasn't much. And then they played on a was it Saturdays or Sundays? Saturday, I think they And played. did you and and if you had to look back at it, would that be considered grassroots soccer or something even different from quote unquote grassroots? No, and let me tell you why let me tell you why I say that. Let me tell you why I say that. Because in the States, our schools, unless they're like a private school actually don't offer soccer that young. Now you do have Catholic schools who do, like some kind of parish leagues. Yeah. And that would be considered something altogether different than even quote unquote recreational. So Oh, okay. Yeah. So with, but it wasn't with no school leagues school offered. Huh? It wasn't something that the school offered, you know? Yes it was. It was the school team. The school had a team. The school had a team, and I'm asking, would that team. have been, would you play only other school teams, or did you remember playing, like, sort of? No, more? it was other schools. They just used to play other, other primary schools. schools. Primary school, yeah. So. Okay. And for the kids AJ's age, to the best of your memory, if their school didn't offer it, offer soccer programs, and you might say, no, all of them do, then did they play in a local grassroots club? I'm not sure because we've only ever known. He's only ever played through school. Okay, uh, so he plays. So let me get this straight. So he's playing during school. Now let, he gets a little bit older. When yeah. when does he move on, and what what happens there? So he only played till he was about what eight through school, okay. um, and then he left football and he went on to do other things: parkour, trampolining. All sorts of different things. Yeah, he left for but a good four or five years. Yeah, and then okay. he went back into football when he was probably around thirteen, maybe. Okay. And yeah. who did he? And who did he play for at thirteen? Um. So that was a local 
uh, boys team under what were they under 13s i guess and would you in that organization was it a club like you know i'll just throw a city out there like the brixton youth soccer association or was it like what it was, was proper, it proper football like in in a league okay and that but was that considered grassroots yeah definitely did he have to quote unquote try out for that team yeah he did he went for a trial yeah okay so he went for a trial and some people got cut some kids got cut didn't make the team yeah yeah and did that team have a lot of different and let me tell you in the states they don't typically cut people that much but they because it's pay to play they need the revenue but they have a lot of different teams like the a team which are really good kids and then the b team. yeah did that team have like that no no no, no. it's just the okay. one team it's the one team and then yeah. do you remember if the coach was a quote unquote licensed coach or a parent volunteer no they're licensed they're licensed john and dave are they yeah they're fa coaches okay yeah okay so these are fa coaches that were members of this club aj tried out made the club and then how and it was considered grassroots and that's fine after he had decided he wanted to go back into football and then how often did they practice? They practice once a week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they practice once a week. And then how much did you guys pay to participate in that? That was probably around, I'd say around um, 100 pounds a, a season. And how long was the season? 100. 120 maybe and how, how long, long is the season about 10 months okay so about 120 pounds per 10 month season and remember i'm not you're not under um investigation so even if you get the numbers <laughs> fuzzy we're just trying to get a basic understanding of yeah it's just roughly yeah so, so to give you perspective if that was an american scenario you pay every bit of a thousand pounds for the season I mean, wow. that's before you get into uniforms, travel, that's just, wow. just to show up. Now, you would have gotten, you would get three practices in a, in a robust game schedule though. So then that brings me to another question. You may or may not have a view on this, but I always ask all the guests. Let's assume for the sake of argument, they were practicing once a week in one game on weekend. Yeah it's not uncommon in the states for parents to say that's good i like that but i need my child to get i want my child to get more hours i want them to get more contact hours and those parents will do one of a few things they will sign them up for another club that's not affiliated with that club is i'm not going to get into the details but just for the purposes of this is not under the same system where they know you're on the same, like you're not in the same league. So yeah, yeah, they do that. So now that club practices on Monday. This one practices yeah. on Wednesday. They do that here. Club. Okay, they so that's that. yeah. or they and they also have these clinics that are not part of leagues. You just pay your money and you go there and train on technical skills. So you're telling me that also existed, or it does exist for you guys. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. be with different. Yeah, there are boys on his team that are with were with are with different teams. So, so they train were on different days and play matches on different days. Okay, 
And then were there any boys on his team to the best of your ability that were part of the pre-academy program or the academy program? And, or, and was that even allowed? There was, yeah, there was one other who was, only was in the pre-academy. Yeah, there was one other in the pre-academy. Okay, so that was not like not allowed. No. But no, then could no. that team, the team that had the FA coaches and the team that AJ was on, um, and I see you scratching your head like, oh, God, I don't remember all this. I know. Uh, were no, they, time. but see, you can see you guys, my, so for the listeners, let me, let me take a step back. This is an inside scoop. My name is Neil Crawford, and I'm talking to <laughs> Sam Maxwell and Samuel <laughs> Maxwell, and they're just laughing because everybody who knows me personally knows that I'm like, a hawk when it comes to information. I want to know um, everything you wear. Y'all probably like, do you want to know what knickers I'm wearing or what they read? Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. So I'm asking all these detailed questions because quite often the information that is provided to us as you know parents is a lot of times it's really glossy and big picture. No, I want to know literally what was going on. And I really appreciate you guys uh, going down memory lane with me. So. Mm -hmm. So now we know that some kids, uh, at least one kid, which means it's possible, was playing for that grassroots club that had FA licensed coaches, and they were also playing at least either in an academy or pre-academy at the same time. And it yeah. sounds like that was accepted. It wasn't like they were sneaking around doing it. No, then, no, it so was not. They, so they wouldn't come to our training because they had to go to different, you know, an additional training for their other team for a game. So, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And some kids wouldn't even come to our training because the training for their other team, which might have been in a higher division, was, was on the same day. So they would never be at our training. Oh, and they would just Looking come to the training, game. I've just had a message flash up about AJ's training this week. <laughs> Hey, there you go. You know, I always feel like Google and, and uh, these other devices are listening. They're to listening. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, some kids. So, there are a lot of parallels there within the States because even with my son, my younger one, once he got competitive and I wanted to ramp up his, no, not my younger one, my older one, and I, I wanted to ramp up his skills, mm. I signed him up for other teams, but he never, and, and I explained to them, he's not going to come to your trainings but he'll come to the games because I just wanted him to get more game time. And in the States, they don't free play enough. So it wasn't like completely overbearing to play a game on a Saturday and play a game on a Sunday, you know, at that yeah. younger age. We don't do that now because it's a lot more wear and tear on the body. But at the younger ages, I did that with him now. So that makes sense. So, all right. Now, did in that grassroots club, to the best of your memory, did they play – any academy teams? No. Okay. And no. Academy no. teams only play academy teams. Pre-academy play pre-academy. So, and then you talked about divisions, and I had this conversation with you a while back offline. To the best of your ability to remember, are these youth teams classified even at the grassroots level in in uh divisions based on their quote-unquote skill level sort of like how the epl championship league yeah they are they yeah. are yeah 
All right. So first of all, how is that communicated to you? So AJ says, you know, I want to play football and you Google it or whatever, and you see this club is there. Are they telling you, and we play in division one? Is that like a selling no, point or is it just? No, 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 it's just, I think he just asked some of his friends, what team are you playing for? And they just told him and he just went along to a trial. So we didn't, we didn't sort of research the team and want to know how many points they had last season or anything like that. It was literally, that's a local team. It's easy to get into training, go and try it out. And, and a few of his friends were already on that team. So that just made the most sense. And then he just started playing. We didn't know anything about the divisions, did we? So then the divisions, how does that work roughly? Is it four divisions, five divisions, two divisions? I don't know how many. No, I think there's three. I don't know if there's four, but his team was in division two when he started. And then they, um, they went up to division one. And how do you go up? By winning the league? Yeah. 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 So you, you, if you, so they won. The league, so we, yeah, we won the league in Division Two and went up. Okay. And then if some people in some clubs go down, I don't know. I don't think, no, I don't think they go down. I think they just stay, but they will be like at the bottom of the league kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so that makes sense. All right. So we're moving on. But if you win the league, you don't have to move up to Division One. If yeah. you don't feel that your players are ready, you can stay. You can stay. Yeah. And to, and to the best of your knowledge, how are these clubs financially able to main, you know, exist? Are the coaches – so the, you said the coaches were licensed coaches. And let me tell you, in the States, they get funding – they're nonprofits, so they probably raise a little bit of money. Um, but they also get a lot of revenue from the parents. But it doesn't sound like in any stretch of the imagination that you guys are, the parents are paying enough tuition, as we'll say, to fund, you know, a coach's salary. So are these uh, coaches, even though they're licensed, they don't, are get, they, they don't get paid. Huh? I don't, they don't get paid. They don't get paid. So they're still volunteer, but they yeah. just like volunteer. Yeah, because they're, they, they're parents with boys on the team. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's one thing I'm learning about Europe. You still have a lot of parent coaches, but they're licensed coaches who know what they're doing. Yeah. In the States, in general, and this is a big generalization, there's probably some parents listening like, nope, I'm the exception. But if you hear the word parent, coach, volunteer, they're not, they're not licensed. And, you know, they just learn as you go you know they love their kids they want to be a part of it you're going to have some good ones but there's no no standard you know you know what i mean yeah we got some of that here yeah in the, in the small academy it's, it's like the same thing you know the younger the academy you know it's, it's the same kind of thing it's the parents that doing like the the refereeing the training and all of that you know as really so older, so so as a as an aside then when you say the word academy, are you talking specifically no, like? Huh? AJ's calling me. AJ's. Oh, are you talking specifically about clubs that um, have academy? 
So yeah, well you talk you were talking about school teams then, not not proper academies in the professional sense. No, yeah, it's school teams and yeah, they have like the parents doing like the training, you know. Yeah, um, I understand. So it's safe to say in it's very safe to say that the school teams more than likely will not have the same level of training as your academies or even your higher level, higher division grassroots clubs. Is that a safe assumption? Uh, I don't know, because in some of the, the older boys teams, their parents are still just parents who have trained, you know, trained the boys from younger. So they're not trained um, coaches or anything. Even if you're talking about the grassroots? Yeah. Okay. All right. So in other words, you can't really make a blanket statement because it really depends on those particular clubs, those particular yeah. schools. So, yeah. so the academy, so we're going to fast forward really quickly. So the academy system, did they fall in those same divisions that you talked about with the grassroots or is that just a totally separate? No. So there is literally, you have academy, then you have the youth team, which is under 18s. And then you have, um, I've forgotten what the next one up is. And then you have like the first team. Mm -hmm. So the, if, I, if I play for the academy, say U13. So you have the youth team, then you have the under 21 development squad. Yes. And, and we have that actually have here. First team. Yeah. Okay. So if I played um, U12 for the academy, then, and I'm, you know, I made the academy team. I'm, my league that I play in, I'm going to play other academies. That's not going to be in that whole divisional system that you talked about where you can go up or go down or stay the same, that kind of no, stuff. No, I don't think it is. I think it's just academy. Because okay. I, when I used to play, like, pre-academy games, it would just be so-and-so pre-academy team. We're playing this pre-academy team and that pre-academy team. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, now, AJ if you're playing, academy, you're all sort of on the same kind of level. Yeah, you're on the same kind of level, yeah. so you can't have divisions within pre-academy. No, that makes sense. So now, AJ played for a school team, and then he played for a grassroots team so far. It, yes. When he was playing for that school team, and he was really young, did you see any boys being, did you, or were you familiar with any families that had children that were scouted and said, okay, now we're going to academy? Yep, yep. Did you? Yeah, there was kids there who like, you know, their, their, their parents was serious about them playing football. Yeah, but we didn't, yeah. do, you, do you know any kids that were scouted? I don't know anybody. Well, the thing about it, Sam, and let me be clear, even if you didn't know like any personally, yeah. If, let's just say hypothetically, is that something that could happen? He's playing at that child, that, that school team at U7, and some kids get scouted and join Luton Town's pre-academy pre academy. academy. That yeah, can that happen. Could, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that could happen because the pre-academy is under seven. Front starts from under seven. And do you think those scouts, and you may or may not have a view on it, how would they find out to go look at the um, 
school team or would they not at that stage of the game? I don't know. I think it's just, they just go. Some of them do take interest in it to come around and see that. They just go, you know, and look whenever they're looking. So this is more of a, just a personal. Some of the coaches, I think some of the, some of the coaches. Yeah, they know the scouts. So they might say, oh, come and have a look at this guy. So then this is just more of a personal, like human to human question. When you're on the sidelines of these games, um, especially when you know like a couple of the kids are really good. Do you ever look around and be like, that must be a scout because uh, he ain't, he's definitely not a parent. He's just sitting there quiet. Or do they have to wear badges to let you know they're scouts or it just be no, normal? normal no, months? you never know. You don't know because AJ, AJ was scouted and we didn't even know there was a scout there when they ha- he was in a tournament. Oh, um, okay. So now that's yeah. now. So let's fast forward. AJ is playing for the grassroots team, and now he's doing well, and you're saying he got, quote-unquote, scouted at a tournament. Yeah. And he may have been looked at before that, but that was the first time. We would never have known. You didn't even know. No. So how did did they let you know, Luton Town Center let you know that they're interested in AJ? Because they told his coach. Okay. And then the coaches told us. And when you said they told, the, the coach told you, did the coach say they're interested, they want you to come for the trial, or did they yeah. that you want you to sign, or what? They're interested, they want him to come for a trial. Yeah. Okay, and then what did the trial consist of? Um, he just had to go to the... the um, to train with Yeah, he had to train with the pre-academy yeah. team. Was he nervous? Well, he knew a lot of them that was already playing for them, so I don't think he was that nervous, you know. Yeah. Okay, so he knew a lot of the kids. So it sounds like a lot of this is networking, coaches know each other, coaches yeah. are saying, come look yeah. at this kid, that kind of stuff. Yeah. With, okay, so now AJ tries out, goes, it's not like an official trial, like you're going to get cut on at the end of the day. It's more like you're training with them. Yeah, how so it did two training sessions and um, and a game with them. Oh. I think he'll probably remember better than we do. Yeah, so. and, and that's a good segue into saying, hey, we're going to interview AJ. We're going to yeah. we're going to share that <clears throat> interview with you guys next week. And the Maxwells are going to be leaving soon because they actually going to have to go pick up AJ. Hey, we're, we're in the trenches, folks. We're talking <laughs> to real soccer moms and soccer dads. So they're just laughing at me. We're talking to real stuff, and they actually have a busy schedule. So they they promised me four more minutes, and then next week uh, we're going to have AJ back on. And then if we have any more clarifying questions, guys, then we'll invite you guys back on to clarify. So we're going to end it with this. So AJ tries out, how do they communicate to you guys that he made, quote, unquote, the pre-academy? They just told us at the end of the session. Now, yeah. they tell you, congratulations, he's made it. Do they ask you to pay any money? Yeah, you've got to pay to be in the pre-academy, and I cannot remember how much. But are we talking a thousand pounds? No, 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 no. It was maybe maybe 200, I would say, for the most. And within, I, within that, you get your kit and everything. Okay, I, would need, so it's I, I would need to look it up, but I... 
you know, it's, it wasn't a, a ridiculous amount of money. It's a nominal amount. And then how much did they train? How many days a week did the pre-academy train? They trained... Okay, so the pre-academy trains once a week and they play a game on the weekend. And technically, AJ could have stayed with his grassroots club if he wanted to. Yeah, well, he, he, did. he did stay with his He was with both. Clubs. He was in both. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going quickly because I know you guys have to run. So he's in both. He's training with both the pre-academy once a week and his grassroots club. Everybody knows that. And then, and then twice a year, at a minimum, they're giving AJ and you guys feedback on his development. Is that a fair? Yeah. yeah. And are parents, and to your knowledge, and you guys saying, hey, I think my son is, is there any friction there saying, I think my son is good enough to be in the academy. Why is he still in the pre-academy? Or is it just more you take what you get? Um, well, they, were they were giving us feedback, you know? So give me an example, and I want to put AJ in the spot. Give me an example of something they, if, if you remember anything, something they said to you in regards to AJ, good, bad, or whatever, in terms of that quote-unquote feedback. Um, I know it's hard. It is hard. What's, what sort of feedback did he get? <laughs> maybe, maybe that he... Um, not aggressive he enough. wasn't aggressive enough. Yeah, that would be okay. Funny. So they would tell you, they say, "Hey, mom, that one of the reasons why we haven't moved him into the academy program yet is because we want to see more aggression." Yeah, that would be one. <clears throat> like I always yeah. tease my, I always tease my older one. He's ten now. Uh, he's really technical, as you guys know, but he has the work rate, of, work rate of a mule. So I'm always yeah. him like, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's similar to AJ as well. He he. He wasn't his work rate, you know. When, when he had the ball and he's on the ball, he's fast and everything. But sometimes he would just wait for the ball to come to him. <laughs> and that's what happens when our kids are really technical. They they right. they're not going to work. So that's something we're working through. Okay, so now because he's a striker as well, he literally is like, just give me the ball so I can go and score. You know. <laughs> exactly. So guys, you know how I am. I could talk to y'all forever about this, you which could. I have. You've been gracious with your time. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to conclude here. This is the inside scoop. We're talking to Sam and Sam, actually, Samantha and Samuel Maxwell about their son, AJ's uh, trend progression through youth soccer in Luton Town and the other township that they actually live in. And, um, and what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk to AJ to get his perspective, okay? And we're going to put it all in a bow, and hopefully our listeners can learn what it's like in the UK. We can start putting pieces together to play football. What will happen if, you, if your child lived in the UK to play football? This has been the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. It's a program that will be online that will help your child get better through over 1,000 follow-along videos covering all the major areas of individual skill development. If you have not collected the 50 uh, ball mastery and juggling and juggling videos, I encourage you to check out www.anytime-soccer.com to do so. And if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it with your friends. 
we're going to learn about youth soccer in all the cities and countries around the world. Thank you so much for, for listening, and let's get better together.